Episode 38 of the Fan Engagement Pod is a chat with Cambridge United Director Dave Matthews-Jones. Dave is the director elected by fans via the Cambridge United Supporters Trust Cambridge Fans United. Dave is one of my favourite people in football because he's learned to accept the realities of the game and not let them get to him too much. This was recorded in late May 2020 towards the end of the first nationwide lockdown. The role Dave holds has existed since 2004, coming from a crisis that saw the Trust lead a campaign to raise £100,000 to save the club with a director in exchange for their efforts. Since the role was created, they have repeatedly played a critical role in good times and bad, and even though the club's shares are all now owned by Chairman Paul Barry, the Trust retains their role through an article in the company Rules. The episode brings to life some of the things that Andy Ambler at the FA said about the value of having a fan on the board, and we talk about how critical the role is to fan engagement of a club, the listening he does amongst the fan base, the practicalities of the role itself and the balancing of duties with the legal requirements of a director. Don't forget we've got loads of other episodes, including episode three of Buzz Chat, now out where we take a look at the known unknown of what happens after COVID and the return of fans to stadiums, where the fan brands will pull back, season ticket no-shows and why we both think that in rebuilding a commercially viable club, dialogue will matter more. The next episode, episode four, will be back to the regular date of the last Thursday of the month this month. Listen via the usual channels, search Fan Engagement Pod, and don't forget you can join the Fan Engagement Network at faninsights.co.uk forward slash network forward slash join. This stuff is the future. This stuff is the future. This stuff is the future. Right, I want to get you on to the side right. of the hand. So, can you just quickly tell me, what's your role now? Um, what was it before, and how long have you been um, involved in an official capacity at Cambridge United Football Club, please? I'm Dave Mashes-Jones. I'm the fans elected director. I've been doing it five years. I've got another year to go. And I'm also the supporters liaison officer, uh, which I've been doing four years now okay did you say five years is it only five five yeah five at the moment myself before that it was Colin yeah Yeah, of course okay no I for some reason I'm up I'm up to my last year is next year is six yes okay and then also of course you were chair chair of the of Cambridge Fans United yeah I was chair I'm still on the the trust yeah okay Um, and uh yeah, it's, it works pretty well. Yeah. So, um, Dave, I mean, it was why I think it was the first piece of casework I ever did was to come to Cambridge United Football Club, Porters Club Bar, and witness the election of Brian Atmore. Is it Brian Atmore? Brian Atmore, yes. Um, as your first, as the first director elected. First, yeah. Yeah, Cambridge United Football Club. Um, that's quite uh that's quite a long i mean there's no two ways about it in terms of people might not be aware of it but in terms of um as fans on the board that is quite a long that is a, a long period of time to have had that role in place because quite often you find that lapses and people you know maybe a new owner comes in and 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 that role is scrapped because it's viewed as irrelevant to the person coming in yet with all the changes that have gone on both good and bad and even with the recent 
consolidation of the ownership by Paul Barry, which I believe is basically he now is the shareholder. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Your role has been ma- your role has been maintained. So why is that? Why do you think that you you've managed that's been managed? What you know? What are the factors that have meant that's the case? I think it's because they, um, the club see value in it. Um, they see that it's a good role to have. Um, it's a point of where they can come to the football club. Uh, the football club can come to you and you can speak to them openly. Um, I just think it, everybody sees the value in it. There's been good times and there's been um, difficult times, which is, which is the case in any relationship. But the main thing is we work our way through it and try and resolve it. And, um, yeah, there have been difficult times over the last, I think, Brian started in 2005. So over the last 15 years, um, there's been value. Plus also, for the, for the point, we, we did have it in the articles where we would have a fans elected director um, so it was already in, it was in the articles of association. So it's all about relationships, I think, and it's about building relationships. And if you can get those relationships right, then you should be able to um, overcome any difficulties. I think, if, I'm, if I can be honest, Dave, I think you're sort of underselling it slightly because you make it sound as though it's um, just a matter of something or other, you know, mm-hmm. maintaining these relationships. Mm. When actually, let's not underestimate the state of things at Cambridge United since 2000, probably 2003, isn't it? 2004, around that time. We it's became been... a trust. We became a trust in 2000. Yeah. Um, and we were one of the very first ones to join, um, get information off supporters direct. Um, I could see the value at the time of um, supporters being involved in football clubs. So it was really important that we, for me, to have a trust. We had a, uh, a group called CUSA at the time, which used to talk to the board, but it was a sort of, you know, just covering issues. Whereas I felt it, it was an opportunity uh, to um, have supporters be represented on the board and with more representation in the club. And I've always felt that supporters should have a say. They put so much into football clubs. They buy their season tickets, they buy the merchandise. They are investors in the club through what they put in via via those methods. And um, it's important that they should have a say in in the main things. Um, But going to 2005 was, um, I think that was the bridge the gap time when we needed a hundred thousand pounds um very quickly and we raised that hundred thousand pounds then we sold the ground which was um i think the biggest disappointment for me because i don't think we had the experience at the time to realize that we should have just split the debts down and found out who we owed money to and then split it down whether we would have been able to get that money I'm not 100%. And now with Grosvenor as the landlords who have been very, very good for us, um, uh, it's probably been the best way because we'd have probably bought it back or kept it. And at some point in the future, we'd have we'd have sold it again to raise money. So, and we've got a good landlord, so that's good. Um, but then, then obviously we went into administration. So 
from knowing nothing at all about due diligence and stuff like selling grounds and, and everything like that, we became quite expert. But then as time moved on and things settled down, um, and especially when we got relegated, it became a case of trying to um, work together because, and especially in the year we, we went to Wembley twice, at the beginning of the season, we had a chat with Dave Doggett and he, he, and he was right. Um, we'd, we'd been arguing so much over the years as a football club. We could actually stand together and all work for a common goal. We could actually get to the end result that we wanted, which was to get back into the league. And that was probably a really successful season. Well, it was a successful season. We, we won the FA Trophy and we got promotion back into the league. So... Um, that was wonderful, but there was a period after that where it became difficult because you'd all worked together so well that at the end, when, when you'd achieved it for a little while, there was that sort of like release of all the energy and, and the, you know, the um, re relations sometimes were a bit fraught. But then we, we, we didn't, it, it worked. When we got back into it league, I think it certainly changed, you know, the way the club ran, it had to become more professional, it was getting more money, and instead of having all the volunteers that got, through, got it through the non-league years, um, it all of a sudden said, well, you know, maybe we need to be more professional, and it, it was probably right, it did need to become more professional, but um, it then got to spend too much money and then last year or a couple of years ago it, it hit the wall a little bit again so um yeah it, it's been a matter of it's been a really interesting period sometimes it's difficult but the the big the times when it really seems to be worth it is when you win it twice at Wembley um you're always going to have more bad times and good um uh, so is that's, it, that's football. It's generally football, isn't it? You'll probably lose more games or draw and lose more games than you're going to win. It, again, again, Dave, Dave, you have a habit of making it all sound a bit effortless, <laughs> if I'm honest, because that's just your style. But well, I, I think again, we've got, you, get, you, get, you have to be, for me, a little bit laid back. Um, yeah. Because if I took everything at a personal level... When I first started, I would anybody that said boo to me, I'd worry about it. But now, after after being in football now twenty years, you can't be like that, can you? No. So you have to develop the, the hide of a rhino. But that's still yeah. to, be, to be okay. I mean, so here's a so so in terms of in terms of because I think people do forget sometimes that something like a a, a role like a, a director. Um, elected by the fans appointed by the supporters trust to represent fans in interests of fans in that in the decision making process of the, the football club or the club that's something that still i think people won't necessarily connect with the the concept of fan engagement of it of the relationships between fans and clubs because i think often that's seen as a um, quite a high-minded thing but how much does you know that that as a role which we describe in the fan engagement index as a sort of governance element of fan engagement so it's an important rule or structural part of fan engagement how much has that meant or influenced how much you being on the board 
uh, as an organisation representing the interests of fans in the governance area of fan engagement. How important that has that been for actually for good relations on in a general sense between fans and the club? Has that helped? Or yes, it helped. Are there times where is there, are there particular times where it's been of real benefit to you as a as a as a football club as a whole? Um, yeah, I think it is. I mean, um, I would say um, it's good to have somebody who is looking at things from a different point of view than maybe just um, from from a director who from a director's point of view because. Um, I'm constantly speaking to people on match days, I'm talking to, I'm going around the ground, which is a role of the SS, um, the sports liaison officer as well. So you're in, all the time in communication with people. I've got Facebook site that I'm looking at people's opinions. I can feed them back. I can feed back what I presume is what people are feeding me. And that's what I try and do. It's, it's not about my view. What I try and do is provide a consensus view of the people I speak to. And sometimes I will ask about things that maybe I don't agree with, but that's my role. I feel like I have to represent people. But the main thing that I find the most um, I think is the hardest thing for people to understand is maybe the judicial duties of a director. Um, so at the end of the day, I may argue for quite a lot of um, X, Y, and Z, but at the end of the day, when, when, when it comes down to voting for something, the judicial duties of the director has to take over. Um, so that is where it becomes difficult. And maybe, uh, you know, it is important to have directors, uh, fans directors, but um, sometimes I think the um, maybe there, there has to be a, another way of doing it. So you can take away perhaps the judicial duties from the fans. Well, I know I know that yeah. I mean, I know that Millwall um, Millwall's fan on the board um, is no longer an actual director of the company, uh, <coughs> and uh, I've, I. I I've had a long chat with um, the chief executive over at Millwall about that. And I can, yeah, I can see the benefits um, to that because it is a real pressure when you're making those decisions about the finances and all that sort of stuff. But uh, the key bit, I suppose, I'm trying to get to here without, because, uh, you know, it is a really important government role. And that, but I sort of think you can have a separate conversation about governance benefits. The bit that's interesting is that bit about being um, someone who... Um, you know, you, you, you might say, well, a fan on the board, what a fan on the board does is gives me an idea of what fans think about things. But actually the active, um, it's the active role of being um, the gatherer of intelligence. Um, and I, I suppose I might suggest a small club like Cambridge United, where you can't, you can't pay a liaison officer. Um, you, need, you do need to put, you do need to find resources that aren't going to cost you having someone like you is a ready-made sort of solution to that issue of how do I find out what fans think about things, isn't it? And actually when it comes to fan engagement, um, there's no point engaging if you don't know what your fans think. If what you're trying to do is engage on an issue they're not interested in, or you're doing it in a way they don't like, how do you find out? Well, you find out because someone like you exists and you find out for them. The thing that I've, I got started last year, 
and I believe it's a real step forward because now we have a fans, um, well, what, what some people call is a fans parliament, we call it a fans panel. Um, so they were elected from all around, um, from fans around the ground. Um, and when we now talk about issues, we consult the fans panel, supporters panel. Um, so, you know, that's good because before, previously, people would say to me, what is your opinion of X? And I would say, given my opinion of X based on what people have told me, um, where, whereas now, I've got a good idea of what they got, what they will say because I'm talking to supporters, and um, and normally 99 times out of 100 uh, they'll say what I'm saying. So it adds um, adds to my um, credibility. Yeah, credibility which, is yeah, which is important. Not yeah, which is oh, always yes. important. Not not just uh, on a personal level. Because now I'm I'm um, now that I've retired. I'm there, well, up until the coronavirus and the lockdown. I was there every, almost every day for the last two or three years. So I'm also now talking to people who work at the club. We have volunteers working there. Um, I've got a team of volunteers who help on the ground. So I'm able to find out what a, a, a small section of the supporters will be saying all of the time. Right, well, um, I, I do find I, I, I do realise that it's important. That I don't cross that line. So when I'm working there, I'm not telling people what to do. You know, I won't tell anybody um, who's working there what to do or anything like that. Um, because I, I remember when I read the initial um, director role with supporters uh, direct. What the the do's and don'ts, and that is something I've, I've always kept. You know, I'm there, but I'm not. You know, people can ask me, "Can you do and do this?" I will listen to everything going on, but I'm not going to be going yeah. to somebody and saying, "Do this, do that." Hi, I just want to take a quick moment to tell you about Match Day Digital, the world's first football-first digital magazine platform bringing together premium paid content from clubs, match day programmes, popular football magazines, newspapers and high-quality fan-produced fanzines. It's quite the list. Uh, match Day Digital brings football content and supporters together in a single app which allows clubs and other publishers to deliver their content to a much wider audience than they would through their own print or digital sites and apps, all especially relevant, obviously, during this COVID era. You can download the app on Google Play and Apple Store. Go to matchdaydigital.co.uk for more. And if you're a club, drop the fellas over there a line. They're really friendly, and I'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs. So tell me, Dave, the, what, the, there's an interesting one. Um, you, you, I don't know if they still exist, but you had a sort of ultras group, didn't you, Along some years back, I remember. That was a work. small one, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sort of rambustious. They wanted to really get, you know, get involved, get behind the team yeah. kind of stuff. Very much in the mould of what you see the Holmesdale Ultras or Spine Cop 1906 at yeah. obviously different size. Um, uh, or I think the Yorvik Reds, there was one at York City for a while. Yeah. That's been, how, how important is something like having, having the insight into knowing what those people, what they're like, what they think, knowing that you can either approach them directly or get you know, have a conversation with them. How important is that? It's, it's very important to be able to talk to all groups of supporters. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that group 
that we we tried to develop um, to give a better atmosphere and get everything that they their lives changed and they've grown older and the group disappeared and it's very hard now to have that again um, it was at the period of time it was really good um, but it moved on and there isn't that group there now so it's a matter of just all the time talking to as many supporters yeah. as you can and I think that's one of the sad things with mobile phones and everything like that is so many people spend their time looking at mobile phones on the terraces during the game uh, it now deflects from the um, atmosphere a little bit so it's how it's, it, it's it's how can you for me it's how can you change that to um getting back the atmosphere on the terraces to to maybe 10 20 30 years ago without the problems and without the troubles but to create that um engagement with with what's going on and because the, more, the longer I've come into this, the more I think that football is actually a social event. It's, it's a game of football which some people will love, and, but there's also a social element. It's about going and seeing the person you, you see every game, going and meeting your mate for a pint before the game, and it's that social interaction. And outside football, quite a lot of people They'll, they'll never see that fan again or that person again but on that Saturday they'll all talk to each other and that's where now if, if we go to um, games which are now going to possibly be shown on stream um, live on stream how do you create that social element you can create a game and watch a game but how can you get people to interact with each other while they're watching it well maybe Dave, it's within chat rooms and stuff like well, that so no, they can Dave, have... i think that there's an important point you're raising there, and that's not about how you deal with um games online and how do you make the experience better and how do you create interaction what it does is it throws into sharp relief just what football often is and that is the social experience it's something that we do for reasons that you know, my connection to a football club is different to yours, as in the reasons for it. Um, a lot of it will be very similar. You know, you go to football. Football is something you go to and you attend. And and the role of a fan in that is, is multi-layered. It isn't just about paying some money on the gate to watch a game or buying a ticket in advance or having a season ticket or travelling away, in fact. It is about that relate That relationship is very... Um, is is critical, and if you're not, if the if fan doesn't exist in that, in in the actual place, then we lose something. So actually, you could you could probably say that, yeah, okay. Bear in mind, you're going to have some innovative ways of dealing with the, the absence of people, but what this does is not points to a future where we manage people not being at a ground. It's I think perhaps that we we kind of relearn what football is and what football clubs are for so many people. Maybe that's what you did in some senses at Cambridge United. Being relegated is a sh out of the league, not just being relegated, being relegated out of the football league is a big deal in English football. Going into the, the semi-pro ranks or the, the ranks of non-league, even if you maintain your professional status. And that, that was a kind of shock to you that made you reassess, I suspect, what 
a football club was and how it felt. And lots of people would have done that. And so actually these things give us a moment to think, don't they? And make us revisit it. Um, and can, it can you tell me something, Dave? What I mean, one thing I'm interested in is, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a smaller club. You're, you're in League Two. You know, I mean, as far as clubs go, you're big, you're big in, in size, full stop, because, you know, in lots of countries that don't have clubs, the number of clubs we have in English football that, that have a, the amount of people going to watch them as we do. But in English football, you're a, small, you're a smaller club. You're, you're in League Two. Um, what's interesting is, is, is it easier for you to have a good culture of fan engagement where you're aware of the views of fans, you seek the views of fans, you try to listen and engage with them, constantly and try to understand is it easier do you think with fewer resources behind it or or is it actually harder because you know you look at it and, and it's it's harder to solve problems when you don't have money it is when you're running a football club business like that but is do you find it do you do you think it's easier for you i think it's that? probably easier for me because uh, and maybe two and a half three Three and a half thousand people coming to games. But for the club, I mean, for the club day. I'm constantly, you know, if I'm constantly walking around over the last 20 years, I've probably spoken to most of those people. Um, so, yes, I can, I have got the opportunity to, to speak. If I, if, it, if I was at a Liverpool, how would you talk to everybody? You couldn't. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that um, fan engagement is done better. What that means is, is you get to speak to more people. What I'm interested in is then, you know, that stuff then has to feed into a centre because decisions get made in places. And, and does, does it, is it easier that you're feeding into a much smaller structure or is yeah. it actually harder because people are so taken having to do loads and, you know, there's so much overlapping work. People are... I suspect, you know, you can't have a member of staff for everything. So people have to multitask a bit more. Is that, does, does, is that, is it in that sense easier for the whole club, do you think? Or is it, or is it more of a challenge to do good fun engagement when you, when you know, you, I, think, relatively I, think it's, um, I think it's easier to be able to speak to the person you want to speak to. I think sometimes because of the workloads of people, it can become more difficult um, because they've got obviously other priorities, but then you have to prioritise the priorities that I'm asking about. So if it's something uh, to do with a tea bar, um, say a hot drink on one game wasn't hot, then I can go to the catering manager and we'll speak about it and, and, you, and find out what went wrong. And if we can resolve it there and then, that's done. Um, something like the... Um, uh, the fans experience um, which is a which you're being marked on and scored on sometimes they're harder things because it's very hard for a little club to have the money to improve those things so you have to improvise quite a lot and I'm not you know a lot of clubs um, spend money they haven't got and you can I could you know, we could spend a lot of money trying to improve a lot of things, but at the end of the day, is it the best use of money, of, of your finances? Um, and what would the position be of your club if you, if you did it too much? Um, so it's different, there's different things. It's, it's, um, 
I would say to your question, it is easier to speak to a smaller group of people. Um, every, every week, you know, I've got, like I said earlier, we've got volunteers. So if there's a light bulb or something that's reported to me, I can get that changed. I can do it myself during the week. A bigger club would be probably a lot more difficult to do it. Um, and also I can ask people for their advice a lot more. Like I will ask people for feedback if they've got um, facility problems. So I can try, try to be proactive and it's a bit what we were speaking about previously. It's about if there are things you can be proactive about and there's things that you're going to be reactive about. So if you can put everything into place to be proactive, then it will save you time trying to resolve the problems that will come up if you leave them. Tell me something, um, I think probably, this is probably about the last question really, the, the, the thing that, it's, it's, so you, you've got quite a, quite a sort of collection of, uh, I mean every club is unique, every club is absolutely different from the other one, but obviously there are all sorts of common threads, but with Cambridge United you do seem to sort of um, have um, lots of different little elements that make you just a little bit distinct in some ways, and one of those is that um, uh, your your owner lives abroad, um, spends I believe most of his time in the states. Is that right? Yeah. That that that's a challenge for any club. I mean, let's say Liverpool for example. I mean, many clubs, but speaking speaking about Liverpool for example, you know, um, that's a tough one for them because a lot of their a lot of their ownership group are in the states. Um, that kind of thing presents its own challenge, doesn't it? Not having the owner there. I would say, in terms of, I was going to say, in terms of, rather than in terms of the structure or the governance and things like that, how does Paul Barry, um, how, how you know, is that, does he, do you think he finds that difficult sometimes when it comes to trying to relate issues to fans and get them to understand the problems that, that maybe are there, that, that, that the things that he's trying to deal with as the owner alongside the board and chief executive and yourself and, I think, How do you think um, that? I think that, say, uh, 10 years ago, it would have been, um, it was probably a lot different. Now, it's a lot easier, like, you've got Zoom, you've got, um, you can email him and he'll come back to you quite, you know, quite quickly. Um, he's talking to the chief executive, he's talking to the board during the past month, two months, he, we've had calls with him and everything. So he's involved in everything. So no, I think it, it, it's improved probably because social media has improved and the way you can communicate between people has improved over the years. 20 years ago, if you'd have had this situation now with a lockdown, you'd have had a dial-up phone probably and that was the only thing you'd have and um, the internet was um, dial-up. And you wouldn't be able to be able to communicate with people. Um, he, he's very, I find him now very open, you know, and accessible. And now I think that's because technology has improved so much over the years. Well, um, he was very nice about the fan engagement index, I have to say. <laughs> um, and <laughs> uh, look, that's been brilliant, Dave. You're, you're one of the people who's been, you know, in terms of, uh the, the role that you play and and all that kind of thing you know you've been you've been one of those people that's been there for so long now and you have such a richness of experience i would suggest anyone 
who, who knows, who wants to know what it's like, I think at any level, trying to represent the interests of fans to a board and um, trying to build some resilience into a football club would, should, should pick, up, pick up the phone, seek Dave out and have a chat because he's, he's worth having a chat with. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime, yeah, no, anybody wants to speak to us. And like I say, I mean, we forget that there's been so many um, projects we've done over the years. Like we had a 2000 um, membership on the Junior U's. Um, it was a free to join one at the time. Um, we encouraged people to come to games. I can remember, I, I still look at the um, community work and think of what Chesterfield did with Club is the Hub. Um, which was, I thought, was a tremendous thing, club is a hub. And now yeah. it's almost replicated at every club. And that, that, yeah. those sort of no, things totally. came through supporters, yeah. really. We would love you to just take a couple of minutes of your day to fill in the quick survey. Please head to tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod. That's tinyurl.com forward slash fan engagement pod.